Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Well, good morning. I want you to know during this Christmas season and at all times, your staff loves you and we're available to you. It's a beautiful time of the year, but it's a tough time for a lot of folk. And please understand, I know a little bit about that. I buried my dad on Christmas Eve and uh, it nearly destroyed me. And I, I, I want you to remain healthy survive these times. I'm, I'm going into the, seventh, or the second chapter of the book of Luke, and I want to pick up the seventh verse. It's a bit of the Christmas story, and the Bible said, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, rags basically, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And they had every reason to be. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, Toward men. Can I ask you this morning, what is it you want God to give you for Christmas? Most of the time we think of Christmas as a time of gifts and giving and unwrapping packages and checking under the tree and some even have a, a list of what they would like for Christmas. What, what would you like for God to give you for Christmas? Little boy saw Santa Claus and went over to him, climbed up on his lap, and, and uh, he looked up and he asked, Santa, are you a politician? And Santa was quite taken back and he said, uh, no. He said, why would you ask? Well, he said, uh, you make a lot of promises that you're unable to fulfill. The FBI office, the phone rang and The voice on the other end said, is this the FBI? They said, yes, it is. Well, he said, I'm calling to report my neighbor. My neighbor is Billy Bob Smith, and Billy Bob is moving a lot of marijuana. And I want to report, because I've got kids of my own, I want to report that he's hiding the marijuana out there in his woodshed and in his firewood. Next uh, morning, bright and early, the FBI uh, came with a search warrant, and man, they came from all quarters against Billy Bob's house, and 
got out in the woodshed and began to throw the wood out and they began to open the wood trying to find the marijuana and never found it. And he swore at him when they left. A little bit, the phone rang and is this Billy Bob? Yes. He said, did the FBI chop up your firewood for you? Merry Christmas. Well, I don't know what it is you'd like to have for Christmas, Christmas gifts I'm thinking about. I remember as a boy, and I mentioned this in our staff and board meeting the other evening, and I'll just glance off of it for a moment. But I remember the year that I wanted a, a bicycle, full size, not one that my brother had already had and wherever he'd got it from, I wanted a full, I wanted to be a, I wanted to grow up and have my own full-size bike. And dad said, well, boy, that's a lot of money. And uh, he said, what else would you like to have if you can't have that? I said, I don't want anything else. That's a dumb thing to say. <laughs> and so when the Christmas gifts begin to show up under the Christmas tree, I checked over and over and over. I never found anything that said Ray on the package. I began to get nervous. It came clear down to Christmas Day. Now, I did get my bike. I didn't get a Red Ryder BB gun, but I got my bike, <laughs> full size. And you know, it was years later before I found out what great effort my parents had made to come up with that gift for Christmas. It was a layaway plan the bank had come up with for Christmas, and, and uh, you could start it early on, several months before Christmas, and come every payday and make a little deposit into that Christmas fund, and Dad would go in, our mom, and they would deposit about $5, $2, $3 a week for months. And I thought of the tremendous deposit and effort they made to give me a, a gift that would meet the need of my life. And I thought about my heavenly father. He's not a stepdad. We get in by the new birth. And I thought of all the effort and the energy and the deposit that God has made into our accounts, we who are undeserving, but God has made those deposits at great expense. And you know, it's so easy to miss what God's trying to give us. At Christmas time, we get so caught up in our own little narrow world. God has some special gifts. There's three things I'd like to point out to you that God wants to give us. And it's not from the top of my head, but it's from the bottom of my heart. I believe the number one thing God wants to give all of us for Christmas this year is forgiveness. I love that 11th verse of that text that I read to you, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, a Savior. You know why? Because we needed forgiveness. The letter came to Santa and it said, uh, there's three boys at our house. There's Jeffrey and he's two. And then there's David and he's four. But there's another boy, his name is Norman, and he's seven. David is good some of the time. And Jeffrey's good part of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> but the problem is none of us can be Norman. None of us 
have been good all of the time. We're imperfect people, other than a couple of you. And somebody told you that, and you shouldn't have listened. Now, we, we, we have a perfect heaven, and we serve a, a perfect God. And if heaven's a perfect place, and if he let you in, or if he let me in, we would imperfect heaven very quickly. Because some of us get a little irritated at the other and show some bad attitudes one way. The truth is, none of us can be Norman. Heaven's perfect, God is perfect, and so I couldn't get in, you couldn't get in, therefore God had to come up with plan B, and plan B is that this world needed a savior. So we could find forgiveness for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you what God has given us this Christmas. What God has given to you and what God has given to me. God has given unto us forgiveness. If the world needed information, God would have given us an educator. And if all our world needed was money, God would have given us an economist. And if all that we needed was technology, God would have given us a scientist. If all we needed was pleasure, God would have introduced an entertainer. But we needed forgiveness. And the Bible said, from heaven, angels announced that God had given to earth a savior. Jesus Christ, in the form of God, didn't come to rub sin in. He came to rub sin out. The Bible says in Isaiah 1:18, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, I want to say something. God sent his son because sinners need forgiveness. All them bad people out there that you didn't bring this morning. Got to be real good. I started to say something that I would have regretted. But sinners need forgiveness. But you know something else? God sent his son this Christmas because saints sometimes need forgiveness. I hope that doesn't shock you. First John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you do what? Sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ himself being a propitiation for our sin. He's an advocate. Now, I'm not advocating sinning, but it happens. And we know that sinners sin because sinners, that's what they are. They're sinners. But it's possible for somebody that's been a Christian to fall and sin. And they need forgiveness. And so in verse 2 he says, and he's a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This Christmas God wants to give you forgiveness. The second thing, quickly, he wants to give you eternal life. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Now, any of you remember the doctor that uh, gave us this maneuver where it's a bear hug under the rib cage, and if you've got food lodged, they can squeeze real hard and cause it to come back out. I know my own son has saved at least two people's lives in restaurants with that particular maneuver. And the doctor that came up with this philosophy, this theory, this uh, medical simplistic technique that has literally saved thousands of lives. Fact of the matter, his name is Henry Hemlink. It's called the Hemlink Maneuver. Fact of the matter, he died December 17th, 19, or rather 2016. He was 96 years of age. He came up with a lot of unique things. Among them was that saved literally thousands, but he died. He couldn't save himself. I'm trying to tell you something this morning. You, I know it's December and near Christmas. I ought to mention this, but I just simply need to tell you, you're going to die too. None of us are going to get out of this world alive. I was just reading that the life expectancy since 19. Uh, 93 has gone down in 2016. It's now down to 78.8 years, the average. You say, well, pastor, when am I going to die? I don't know, but you will die. Now, you've met people who are 48, but they want to look 27. If you get up real close, they look 48. And don't get too close, they'll age just as you move up closer. All of us are going to die is what I'm trying to say. Now, here's an interesting clip. The uh, video department back there is going to run for you. It's about a man named Arthur Thomas. I want you to watch this. I think it's phenomenal. Finally tonight, when the father of the bride couldn't be there to give her away at the wedding, the woman you're about to meet got the next best thing. Here's ABC's John Donvan. When Jenny Stepien walked down the aisle this weekend in Swissvale, Pennsylvania. It has been the best day of my life. The man whose arm she held was not her father. That would not have been possible because her dad, Michael, was gone 10 years already, snatched from his little girl's life in a murder. So who was this person walking by her side? And you're right, you're going to see a parking lot. My aunt's wearing a white pants. and A, a person she would not even meet until the day before the wedding when she had to talk him through the route to the church. Well, 10 years ago, Arthur Thomas was in urgent need of a new heart. I was on death's door. And the heart they gave him was Michael's, Jenny's dad's. Jenny grew up knowing a living part of her father was out there. We've been talking to him and writing letters and calling. But it was all long distance until... Jenny wrote me a letter and she said, if you're willing, would you walk me down the aisle? Oh, thank you so much for coming. Are you kidding? <laughs> Uh, yes. And so there they were, in the moment of their meeting, Jenny closer to her dad's beating heart than she had been in years, so close she reached to feel that beat. And on this, her wedding day, that was possible. John Donvan, ABC News. An incredible moment and an incredible story. We thank John for that. GMA first thing in the morning. David Muir right back here tomorrow night. I'm Tom Yamas. Have a great evening. Isn't that a phenomenal story? Isn't that incredible? That, that, that kind of snatches your emotions a little bit, doesn't it? Phenomenal story. Arthur Thomas got a new heart. He got to continue living. 
But I showed that clip so I could say to you, Arthur Thomas, one day he will die. He won't live forever. I'm trying to say that we all are going to die. And what's so amazing, Jesus came, not that Arthur Thomas could have physical life, but that he could have eternal life. That's why. Let me tell you what God has given us for this Christmas. God is offering you forgiveness for your sins. And not only that, God is offering to you eternal life. After this life has been lived, there is an offer that you can have eternal life. You can live with him in a topless heaven, in a bottomless eternity. But there's a third thing. This Christmas, God wants to give you peace of mind, peace of mind. Some of us, we're in a hurry-scurry world, and we need some peace. One dad kept bringing all of his work from, from his job with him to home, and he spent the evening sometimes skipping supper, and there locked up in his room, and his little boy wanting to play and just wanting to sit on daddy's lap. And finally, the little boy said to him one day, he said, Daddy, why do you go to work, and then you come back home, and you work here too? We never get to be together. Well, he said, I've just got so much work to do. The little boy looked up and through the tears, he said, Daddy, why don't you ask him at, at the job to give you a, put you in a slower group? And some of us in life, we need a slower group. Did you know that there are 790 verses in the Bible about peace? You can slow down and have some peace. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, of our text, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace, goodwill. There in John 14, 27, Jesus said these words, peace. I leave with you my peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is saying, I've got a peace that I can give that the world cannot give to you. He said, I want to give you peace in the difficulties of life and, and in the shock that comes and when separation comes and, and when deep geishas happen in your life and you're grieving and hurting. He said, I want to give you a, a peace. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he could only be at one place at one time. Did you know that? He was like you and I. Of course, some of us have gotten so big, we're in two places. I'm talking about myself. You could say amen, but you didn't. You missed your cue. He could only be at one place at one time, but when he left and he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be in every one of us who know him at all times. That's the good news. You say, well, how much of the Holy Spirit can we have? Well, how much do you want? Did you know that... Uh, if you want more of God, here's a newsflash. If you want more of God, all you got to do is give God more of you. Do I need to repeat that? A lot of folk haven't caught that, but you can be as close to God as you want to be. You can have as much God as you're willing to give more of yourself. Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, not like the world gives. Now, the young pastor had his first candlelight communion service, and and they were going to light candles, and he said, take your candle and lean over and light the next candle. And pretty soon the whole congregation had their candles lit. Now he said, now that you're all lit, 
let's sing Joy to the World. Now, maybe he had a problem with somatics, and maybe it was with uh, terminology, I don't know, but I know that a lot of people are hunting peace at Christmas by being lit. And if you're trying to find Southern comfort and joy and alcohol, you'll never find it. Peace isn't there. It's not in alcohol. It's not in drugs. It's not in success. It's not in sex. It's not in sin. Peace comes from the Savior of this world. You can search all the other places as you want to. But he said, my peace is not like the world gives. You say, well, if I could just land that job, if I could just buy that new car, if I could just move to that certain location, if I, if I could just date Wonder Woman, if I could have, spend a little time with that bodybuilder, hey, all of that is passing. It's temporary. Peace is in Christ. Can I just throw this at you real quick? Like there's three kinds of peace. There's what we call spiritual peace. That's eternal peace. What is that? It's peace with God. God is holy. We're unholy. So Jesus Christ came to reconcile us to God. Spiritual peace. That's eternal peace. But there's also what we call emotional peace. Emotional. That's internal peace. Peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's the peace of God. Allowing God to be the umpire. He tells when the game starts and he tells when it ends. He's in charge. And you're at peace because you don't have to call the shots anymore. And then there's what we call relational peace. That's external peace. That's peace with others. Now, this is all I'm going to say, and this is what I know. The further I get away from God, the more my relationships with others suffer. The further I get away from God, the more I have problems with others. Somebody said to live above with saints you love, that's all about glory. But to live below with saints you know, that's a different story. Let me tell you three things quickly that'll eat away your peace. It's Christmas time. You need all the peace you can get. Three things. One is guilt. The psalmist said in 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's how far away he wants to take this guilt problem. And uh, you say, well, preacher, how do I forgive myself? Well, know the truth. And the Bible said the truth will set you free. We need to quit listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. Here's what the Bible says. Let the weak say, I'm strong. If all you do is beat yourself up and put yourself down and, and you listen to other people that want to do that, hey, you're going to be weak. But let the weak say, I'm going to talk to myself. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. Don't worry about your past. Fact of the matter, if you're around somebody that's always wanting to bring up your past, you need to get away from them. Nobody has a right to be bringing up anybody else's past. What is more hurtful than somebody bringing up something now about your past that you can't do anything about anymore? So, guilt, forgive yourself. If a holy God who is perfect is willing to forgive you, then you need to forgive yourself. Who could 
Who could like to experience some of that right now? Forgiveness and peace. If you're worried about pleasing everybody this time of the year and this one's wanting this gift and that one's wanting that and, and they've got all these high expectations and you've got a low account at the bank, what are you going to do? Three quick steps and I'm going to be done. Here's how you can have peace. Jesus said, come unto me. Now, there's a little verse that I really like, and I, I want to throw it at you just for a moment. And before I get to that, I, I, let me just mention the other two things that I did. And I mentioned, first of all, that, that guilt can, can eat away your, your peace. And uh, if God wants to forgive you, don't keep holding things against yourself. Don't act like you've got a higher standard than God's got. I mean, uh, if he forgives and he's a perfect God and he's got a forgiveness, why, I don't need to beat myself up or mess around with it. And nobody else does either. God hadn't died and left anybody else's judge. I just thought I'd tell you that. Now, I'm talking about things that in our past that's known and some things that are not known. Anybody in the building want all of your past throwing up on the big silver screen? Thoughts that you've had? Deeds you've done? I don't think so. But a second thing that will eat away your peace is grief. Maybe a grief over a death or a grief over a divorce or grief over abandonment. You say, well, pastor, help me in this area. Well, this is all I'm going to say. It's 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of our care upon him. Why? Because he careth for us. And Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind us and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. So if you've experienced great loss, divorce, or death, I'm sorry, but God will help you to shoulder those things. God has a plan. And if he's left you here on earth, God wants to fulfill that plan. And you can't fulfill that plan if you're wallowing in grief all the time. Now, I'm not talking to somebody that lost somebody in the last week, in the last month, and recently. I'm talking about some of us that somehow have to get past our grief. And this Christmas, guilt will eat away your peace. Grief will eat away your peace. And I'll throw one other thing at you, grudges. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be a kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, I know what it's like to be wronged. I know what it's like to feel hurt. But as long as we allow a grudge to fester, it doesn't hurt the guilty party that's hurting everybody. If it's festering in you, it's only going to hurt you. And nothing will eat away your peace any quicker than a grudge. Now, I'm preaching to somebody this morning because I was going to pass on and felt checked with the Spirit. So I just simply want to say, how do you find peace, Pastor? Well, I was looking at Matthew, it's chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, and I hadn't looked at it for a long, long time, and then when I looked at it, I thought I, 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 thought I knew this verse. I'd even memorized this verse at one time, in the King James, naturally. And you know this verse, both of them. Come unto me, all you who, are la who labor and are heavy laden, and he said, I will give you rest. I knew that. Then he goes on, verse 29, take my yoke upon you, learn to be, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and 
you shall find rest unto your souls. But you know what I never had noticed in all of these years till last week? I looked at that and I saw it said, you'll find rest for your souls. Didn't say body. Didn't say spirit. For your souls. Now the soul is the mind, it's the will, and it's the emotions. So he's not talking about physical rest. He's not talking about a siesta. What kind of rest is he talking about? He's talking about in your mind when you're wrestling with all of these things, you can find rest. And you've got a will and that will has been crossed and hopes have been dashed and people have stolen joy away from you. He's saying in your soul you can find rest. You know, Christmas is supposed to be a time of brotherly love, but it's more like brotherly shove. Anybody use some rest right now in peace? If you're worried about pleasing others, well, here's three quick steps, and I'll use that as my framework. First of all, come to Jesus. Some, some folk need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Come to Jesus. Notice he said, come to me, all you that labor are heavy laden. Now, if you want peace, this is not an appeal. Um, it's not a patch. It's not a program. It's not a philosophy. It's a person. Come to Jesus, not just to an understanding, but come to Jesus. And you know something? He's a person. And you cannot find rest or happiness apart from Jesus Christ. So come to Jesus. Secondly, connect with Jesus. Notice he said, take my yoke. Now, that's not a part of an egg. Or the yoke's on you. What's he talking about? He's talking about a wooden frame that connects two animals, a yoke. Put horses in it. You can put oxen in it. And so, you put that yoke on that ox, and the only way you can do it, the ox has to submit. Now, if you want to find rest and get in the yoke with God, you're going to have to quit doing your own thing and going your own way and making up your mind for everything and quit resisting God and begin to submit. Get into the yoke. Submit. And what do you do when you take a yoke and you put two oxen together? Together, and they pull it together, it lightens the load. And God, through Jesus, is coming along and he sees you so stressed out and so loaded down and so hurt that he's saying, I'd like to lighten your load. And you think if I add Jesus to this, it's going to make my life really miserable. He said, I'm trying to give you peace. Step number one, come to Jesus. Step number two, connect with Jesus. And step number three, commit to Jesus daily. Come to me, take my yoke upon you, but it doesn't end there. And learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart. Now, why did he say that? What does that have to do with me having rest and having peace? And I don't want to offend you, but do you know what causes all of your stress and my stress? It's our arrogance and our aggression. We get all of these little man-made goals in mind, and, and uh, we get ourselves in mind and our image and who we want to impress and how much glory we want to receive and how much approval of everybody around us that we want. All of this error. You know the root of all sin is pride. Starts right there. Me, me, me. 
There's some other keys besides me, 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 just in case you didn't know it. And when we become like Jesus, he said, I'm meek and lowly of heart. I don't know very many people wanting to stand over in that line and be meek and lowly in heart. We went over here in the big boys and the big girls. We want to have knowledge and a few bucks in our pocket and we, we want to be noticed. And he said, no, no, it's in this other lineup over here, the lowly of heart, the meek in heart. Become like Jesus and we learn about Jesus and we conform to his image of Jesus and we can find rest for our souls. Hey, the greatest gift you can receive at Christmas this year is not under the tree. It's not under the tree. Don't even look there. You'll not find your name on it. The greatest gift you can get is from God himself. And God is saying, I want to give you forgiveness. Deal with all of this guilt. Find forgiveness. I want to give you eternal life. You're going to die here. But hey, I'm giving you an offer of eternal and everlasting life in the world to come. And I want to give you a little bit of peace of mind while you're here. Father. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.